on Mother's Day, you know, we kind of we all approach it perhaps from a different perspective because some of us, we do have our moms and maybe they're right here with us and we have an awesome relationship with them and some of us have lost our moms and we don't have them here in our present any longer, but yet their memories are still with us. I do also understand and recognize that some of us, unfortunately, don't have very fond memories, or any at all, of a mom. There's some, um, there's some women even here who um, desire to be a mom, but are not yet a mom. It was not perhaps um, God's will for their life. And there's others that, um, that come at it from a very different perspective. And so we want to be sensitive to that, and I think that's important. But at the same time, we certainly do not dismiss the fact that we have many moms uh, that we want to celebrate and honor on Mother's Day. And so that's what we say. Please remember that um, all of our moms and our ladies and they're special to us as you leave later on after our service, we have a gift for you. Please take one. Know that it's just a small, humble way for us as a church to say thank you for all that you do. And no matter how it is that you approach a day like Mother's Day, there are many things that we learn from moms, memories that we have, um, no matter what that looks like. But I also know that um, we can look at many women in the Bible and look at their great example of what it means to be a mother. But even beyond that, what does it mean to be uh, someone who trusts and obeys and has faith in their God? And that's, of course, something that all of us can learn. And so what I'd like to do this morning is look at one particular mother from Scripture, that is Hannah, and learn from her not necessarily how to be a good mom, but of course that's in there, certainly. But more importantly, what we can all learn about God and our relationship with Him through the example of Hannah. And so our passage this morning, I'm not going to read all of it, but for your notes and for your further reading, the story of Hannah is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and then also in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to read a portion of that uh, now, but chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, verses 21 to 28, that'll be the, the main text this morning, and then I'm just going to give you an overview of Hannah's story for those that maybe have read it a long time ago, or perhaps haven't uh, ever heard of Hannah, the mother of of Samuel. So let's read um, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. So we pick up in the middle of the story, and I'll fill in the, the gap in just a moment. When her husband, Elkanah, went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. And so the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, but 
as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So let me kind of fill in the rest of the story there. Kind of summarize that story of Hannah. So at the time, the nation of Israel had judges. And these were judges that God had ordained and appointed to oversee and lead the people of Israel. But unfortunately, as we kind of see a pattern in the the people of Israel at the time, it never quite worked out in the long run. For what happened was, with the judges, and of course you can read about all of them in the book of Judges and elsewhere, for their freedom and the peace that they had as a nation from neighboring um, nations that warred against them and were enemies, their freedom and peace lasted only as long as that particular judge lived. And many of those judges had serious flaws. So Israel actually suffered from a lack of leadership. So what God does then in the whole story of Israel is God then allows the rule of kings. The people had clamored for it. And if you read Samuel, we'll see that he was not for it. It was not God's original intention. But God allows for the rule of kings for the first time in Israel's history. And he does that through the prophet Samuel. Okay, Samuel anoints the first two kings of Israel, that's Saul and David. And Samuel actually is the final and last judge and perhaps the greatest of all of Israel's judges. Samuel is extremely significant in the history of Israel and God's plan for his people. But what we're looking at this morning is the story of Samuel's mother, Hannah. Not much about her, but we see it in the opening verses of chapter 1 of the book of 1 Samuel. And then we see a song of praise that she sings in chapter 2. And we will look at that. So really, that story is about Hannah and her relationship with God. So to back up even further, a little bit more context, there is this guy named Elkanah, and we just read about him. Okay, And he is Hannah's husband. Elkanah has two wives at the time, Panina and Hannah. Now, Panina had children. But Hannah did not, and that's incredibly important to the story. We have seen that in other women throughout Scripture, but Hannah did not have children, but Panina, Elkanah's other wife, did. Every year, Elkanah and his wives would go to a place called Shiloh to worship and sacrifice God. That was just outside of Jerusalem, and that was the place where the tabernacle was at the time. And so all of Israel would go, and that's where they would bring their offerings. Okay, So Elkanah went with his two wives, Panina, who had children, Hannah, who did not. And they would go every year to the place, Shiloh, where the tabernacle was, to worship and to sacrifice to God. But each time that they would go, he would give Panina and her children a portion of the food. But look at what he did with Hannah. He gave Hannah a double portion because he loved her. He felt bad for her that she could not have children. At the time, it's quite unfortunate, as we certainly look through our perspective today, but at the time, a woman's identity was all wrapped up in could you have children or not, and how many. But actually, the same for men. 
because men really focused on having sons to carry on the name. So at the time, it's unfortunate, but Hannah's identity and even her relationship with God was wrapped up in the fact that she could not have children. And so Elkanah, being a good husband, he tried to console her. But every year, here's what would happen. See, Penina, the one who had children, she would taunt and provoke and make fun of Hannah for not having any children. And of course, this devastated her. Hannah was always quite upset, even to the point where she wept and wouldn't eat. Have you ever gotten so upset that you didn't even have an appetite and that you couldn't even eat? And it said it happened all the time with Hannah, how upset she was. So her husband tried to console her, but still she wept, but she also prayed to God. She prayed that if God would hear her cry and grant her a son, she would dedicate him to God and his work. So that was her prayer to God. And God answered the prayer. And she kept her promise. So after caring for Samuel for about three or four years, weaned him as we read, she brought him back to Shiloh to the priest named Eli, and she offered him to Eli through the, um, through the service of the Lord and left him there, and he grew in the temple, learning the ways through Eli the priest and how to serve God. And then we see in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, she prays a prayer of rejoicing. So I just wanted to give you that overall story. I, I highly recommend that you read 1 Samuel 1 and chapter 2, to get all of the details. But what I want to do then is this. For our remaining time together, I want to look at five things. These are real reminders, real life reminders, that we are to be real with the God who really cares. I put that word real in there a few times, right? So that's the idea. We're going to look at five things. They are real life reminders from the life of Hannah, and how we are to be real with God. Why? Because He is a real God. He is real with us. And He really cares. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. The first thing is this. Hannah had real problems. She had real problems. Can't we all relate to that? We all have real problems. I also encourage you to do this on a Sunday morning when people gather and, and they haven't seen you all week and say, Hey, brother, how's sister? How you doing? Oftentimes we kind of just say, I'm great. And really, you're not. You know. Thank you, sister, for being honest. So what do we do? Keeping it real. That's the whole point. Thank you, brother. Right? Preach it. That's the idea. We're supposed to be real with one another. See, Hannah had real problems. But you know what she did? She did bring it to her husband. She brought it to others. But she brought it to God. Now, we all know that. But let's remember both sides of that coin that God has brought us into community. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But God brought us into community as the church, and we're supposed to be real with one another. You know, we, we should do that so that we can honor each other, we can help each other, we can encourage each other, but we all have issues. And it's important that we just stay real, as we say, with each other and with God. God does care about everything that you're going through. You know, again, as I said, some of us have very different perspectives on a day like Mother's Day, but even coming on a Sunday morning, you come here having different experiences. Some of you had a wonderful morning, had a great breakfast. Some of you even forgot to have your coffee and you argued all the way here. 
I know some of you are sitting here like that. I get it. And some of you are looking around saying, yeah, you're the one. You're the one. We know that. But we all struggle with things. We've all come in here with some kind of baggage, but that's a reason that we often start with worship so we can lay it all down at His feet and prepare to hear from His Word. We all struggle with sin. We struggle with guilt and pride, selfishness, with understanding people. I mean, that's hard enough. Understanding people. Understanding coworkers, friends at school. Other moms that we see throughout the week with our kids, so on and so forth. Those problems are very real to us. But let's remember they're also very real to God. He understands what's going on. Yes, Hannah had issues. Her rival, Panina, made her life miserable. Her husband tried to console her. But she was broken. She was brokenhearted. She was a broken woman. But what did she do? She was broken before God and others. She didn't keep it to herself. And that's so important that we let others into our lives. That can be a scary thing to be vulnerable with other people. We know that ultimately we're not perfect and we will let other people down. People in our lives will let us down, but God never will. Please keep that in mind, right? That we must be real with each other and with God because then we can get moving towards growth and change and transformation, allowing the Spirit within us to work through those struggles and those problems and difficulties so that we can grow in our trust of Him, not to sit and to wallow and to be mired in our difficulties. See, Hannah had a deep desire to have a son. That was one of her struggles. But we have deep desires of our own. We can all sit here and think about dreams that have been deferred, hopes that we've had that haven't yet come to fruition. We can all look in the past and see opportunities that we've missed. And that's okay to reflect on those, but we're not supposed to sit there and remain in those and let those thoughts dictate who we are, not to define us, but to move forward with a God who does care. Letting the people around us that care about us know and letting our God know. Look at what it says in, in verse 1. In uh, chapter 1, verse 7, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. She's got a real problem. She's really struggling. How about then in verse 10? In bitterness, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. See, in her deep anguish, she wept bitterly. Do you get a sense that Hannah was deeply troubled? She had real problems that were very real to her in her life, but yet she remembered through her actions and words that her God was on His throne. He is in charge. She recognized that she needed at the end of the day to accept the bad with the good. Job, a great story to look at. Chapter 2, verse 10. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble also? We think about what God allows in our lives. So, out of Hannah's struggles with real problems, she prayed. She had real faith. So that leads us to number two. Hannah prayed a real prayer. She had real problems, but she also prayed a very real prayer. She prayed for deliverance from her anguish and for something very specific. She didn't just pray, God, help me. 
She said, God, my deep and deep, my deep longing and desire is to have a son. Verse 11, she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. She prayed. Why did she pray? I think out of her anguish, she recognized she needed to surrender it and give it to God, but also she prayed because God listens. He is the best listener. Did you ever go and try to help somebody, a friend that was in need, and you're just trying to think, what can I say? And you're struggling with the words, and sometimes you say too much, and all you want to do is try to give words of wisdom and advice, but all that's really required is just an ear to listen. Sometimes that's the most important thing that we can do. Just listen. God is the best of all listeners. And we are to help others in time of need by listening. See, but she prayed. Why? Because she listened to God and she knew God would be listening. Hannah didn't get angry, but she connected with her God through prayer. She wept bitterly, but she went to God in prayer. She wept bitterly. You know, it's interesting. We all produce tears. There's three different kinds of tears that we we produce. And one of them, they, they actually call like emotional tears or reflex tears and we produce lots of tears. It said actually the average uh, person produces about 16 gallons of tears a year. Maybe I should have said in their lifetimes. I think that's a lot for one year. So we can strike that. Can you reverse the recording and go back and edit that? 16 gallons. Is that a lot? Is that amazing? Now some of you are sitting here thinking, 16 gallons of my lifetime? That was like last week for me, Right? But we do, our bodies produce these tears for a reason. God created that. And one of those ways is through our emotional reaction. But did you know that one of the purposes of tears is to wash away any kind of debris, but to also create a coating to kind of cover any inconsistencies so that it can improve our vision. And we can see more clearly. I'd like to think perhaps through Hannah's tears, she was able to see her God more clearly. Oftentimes in our lives, when we're struggling, we hold back the tears. That you know what? Maybe it's the right thing to do. To just let it out. Did you ever just say to somebody, I just haven't had a good cry in a long time. There's actually like a physiological reason that we cry, but one of those reasons is to clear our eyes, and through the tears, we can see more clearly. Being broken and real before God should move us to pray, but through those prayers, God can make clear His vision for us, and we can perhaps see a little more clearly His plan for our life. He provides a clearer vision when we connect with Him in prayer because often of our tears of pain and suffering. Jesus often went alone to be with God, didn't He? What did He go to do? To pray. He needed to be alone, away from even the disciples and the maddening crowd, right, that would always gather around Him and push to see Him and be near Him. He had to commune with the Father to express His concerns, to receive guidance 
from his heavenly Father. In the garden, Jesus prayed in anguish. Luke 22, it says this, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When's the last time that you were honest and open in your prayers with God? When you laid your deepest desires before the Lord, even even just a, a portion the way Jesus prayed before His God and Father. Hannah had real problems, but she prayed real prayers. We should do that also. Be authentic. Be vulnerable with others, but especially with God. You can't hide anything from God especially not your emotions. God created them. Sometimes it's good to let those tears flow. Perhaps through that, God will clear your vision about what He's doing in your life. God provided real provisions. Real provisions for Hannah. See, Hannah prayed during real struggles. She prayed a real prayer, and God provided in a very real way. Verse 20 says, So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. That was the answer to her prayer. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. How about that? Right? That name Samuel actually means Samuel. It really has that meaning of God heard. God hears. God heard me and heard my cry. So, Hannah prayed a specific prayer, and God answered in a very real and specific way. Does God always do that in our lives? If you pray for something specifically, does He always just give it? No. But why? Don't we pray that it's in the name of Jesus, but it's in the will of God? We want it to be God's will and God's timing. We should pray expectantly, like I believe Hannah did. But we never know how and when God's going to answer that prayer. I have to say, for my life, I had a real Hannah experience. You know, when I was at school, the first two years of college, I was up in Massachusetts, and I had just become a Christian, you know, and was just leaving kind of all relationships behind, recognizing God was moving me to come back home to go to Rutgers. And it was sort of like, you know, as a Christian, right, you're on fire for the Lord as a new believer, and your whole perspective on life changes. And so I remember just in the middle of the courtyard walking one day, I remember God just stopping me in the tracks and the Holy Spirit just saying, this is not the place for you anymore. There's nothing wrong with it, but God had changed my perspective, my view, transfer. So I said, let me be back closer to home. But here was my prayer. I prayed to God. I said, God, I don't want to deal with relationships, looking for a girlfriend, a wife. I said, I just want to focus, God, on my studies and on my relationship with you. As a new believer, I said, God, I just want to do that. So we had a friend. So I had a friend who, who recommended and said, hey, when you get to Rutgers, go to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It's a, an on-campus Christian fellowship, right? Kind of like a church. You get together weekly and you encourage each other and you pray and you worship. So the very first week of that September, I transferred that summer. The very first week I went there having just prayed that prayer, God, I don't want to deal with relationships or anything. Just let me focus on you and my studies. And that very first meeting... I went, and my friend had said, look up this, this lady, uh, Tanya, and uh, she's there. And so I, I got, I said, hi, Tanya, I'm Keith. And she said, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend. And she pointed to Claudia. And Thank you for clapping. That's good. I, I kind of, 
I clapped too. No, I didn't clap. Thank you, God. But here, and then of course, the rest of the story. But here's what I see. As part of my testimony, yes, God doesn't always answer specifically like that. But what I have to believe, and I truly believe this, you know, God wants us to surrender every aspect of our lives to Him. Everything. Including our relationships. And so, I think that when I finally surrendered that part of my life to God, said, God, when you have the woman for me, let it be your time, your person. I'm not going to try to mess that up, right, and make it happen. When I just said, God, I want to focus on you, I believe he then said, now you're ready for the woman that I have for you. Because I had surrendered that part of my life. But God did bless me and, and, and provided an answer to prayer in a way I wasn't even praying. Do you see that? But here's what God does. He blesses Hannah with a son. She had prayed specifically and God answered that prayer. So it is okay and good and biblical to pray for specific things. So please do that. But always recognizing that it's all in God's hands. He wants to hear from us, doesn't he? When we pray real prayers, we're his children. Yes, we know that as a God who is all-knowing, he knows what the prayer is and what the answer is going to be, but he still wants to hear it from us, right? because he wants to commune with us and connect with us. So God, in the course of time, gave Hannah a son. She named him Samuel. So we must pray specifically with expectation that he will provide in his way and his timing. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's what Hannah did. We can approach the throne of God because of His grace. It's a throne of grace. Grace meaning simply this, we don't deserve it. Whatever God blesses us with, it's not like we deserved it. God, I deserve this. You owe me. No, not at all. But see, that tells us in Hebrews that we can approach God's throne of grace, what? With confidence so that we can receive that mercy and find that grace for our help in a time of need. So we move on. So Hannah had real problems. She prayed real prayers. God provided real provisions. So Hannah made a real promise. Did you ever get to that point in your life where you're just struggling so much and you say, God, if only, if only you get me out of this, I will do this and that. I think we've all prayed that kind of prayer. Think back in a time have you followed through on that promise? Have you made good on that promise to God? Because God is not only the perfect listener, He's the best promise keeper there is. God makes promises. He keeps His promises. He will keep His promises in the future. All promises that He's made that have gone unfulfilled, they will be fulfilled, whether it's now or in the future. So Hannah made a real promise, verses 27 and 28. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked him. And then verse 28, so. So here it is. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he, meaning Eli, worshiped the Lord there. Worship God. So Hannah made good on her promise. She said, God, bless me with a son, and I'll give him back to you. I don't even have to raise him for the rest of his life. I'll give him to you and, and for the service of the rest of the people through the tabernacle at Shiloh, 
through the priest Eli. That's what she did. Can you imagine that? She weaned him up until about the age three or four. Then she kept good on her promise. As we had read in, in verses 21 to 28, Elkanah was going up at that time of year with, with Penina, and he said, are you coming, Hannah? She said, no, i got to wean him because I'm going to keep good on my promise. And she did just that. So we remember that God is a promise keeper. We can trust him because of that. But we can make promises to God as well. But let's think. Are we making good on our promises? Whether or not we make a specific promise, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are ambassadors for Him in this world. When we commit our lives to Him, we are making a promise to follow Him, to live for Him, to make this faith of ours a lifestyle, not just a Sunday thing. We can make good on that promise. So what does God expect of us? Only to trust and obey. Give Him all that we have and all that we are. God has kept His promises. We should do the same. Deuteronomy 7.9 Know therefore that the Lord your God is good. He is a faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. Does that sound like He will always keep His promises? Yes. Philippians 1.6 We can be confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God has called you to Himself, and He's got a plan and a purpose for your life and for mine. And we can trust that He will keep His promises. That we can be confident that because He began a good work in us, He will then see it through until the day of Christ Jesus. Until He calls us home or He returns for us. Until that day, God will continue to keep His promises. What has He asked of us? That we simply surrender ourselves to Him. Finally, Hannah offered a real praise. Where does worship and praise fit into your life? What does it look like for you to worship God? Do you just worship God through music for a half an hour on a Sunday morning? I really hope not. I trust that you don't because worship is so much more than that. It's a great way to worship corporately, but throughout the week. Are you worshiping God? Are you praising Him and thanking Him for all that you have, all that you are, even when you're going through struggles and trials and tribulations? Do you thank God? We're going to read in just a moment as I kind of sum this up, chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. Because what it is, the first 10 verses of chapter 2, is a praise of Hannah. And I'm going to read that for you. But just to re remember and summarize, we need to be real before God with our problems, but be real with others because those problems are real. God knows it. In response, we need to have real faith and go to Him in a real prayer. We must pray with confidence that He will provide in His way and His timing. We need to remember that He's a promise keeper so we can make promises to God, but let's make good on those promises. And through it all, no matter what, we must give Him the praises and honor that are due His name. Look at this from Habakkuk chapter 3. If you haven't read this before, you should write this down as a reference. What a great passage of Scripture to remember in times of need. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen 
and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Isn't that beautiful? So no matter what's going on, how about we remember that phrase, yet I will praise the Lord. Yet I will praise Him. No matter what is coming our way, God knows it. He's allowing it for a reason. Maybe it's a consequence of sin. And maybe it's just a matter of God allowing us to go through something to teach us, to mold us, to transform us. Through it all, we are to offer real praises to a real God. See, He created us to worship Him and to bring Him glory. Do you know that? At the end of the day, remember, you were created not for just happiness and to have a job and raise a family, to be a mom and a dad. No. Those are all important things that God blesses us with. But why were we created as human beings? Why were we given a special identity before God? And that's to worship Him. If the chief end of man, we say, is to bring glory, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, we certainly don't want to rob God of any of that glory by not coming before Him to worship. See, when a Christian sins, it does two things, really. It breaks our fellowship temporarily with God, but also, when we sin, it not only disturbs our fellowship with our God who created us, but it robs God of glory and worship. Why do we share the Gospel? We share the Gospel, what, to get people saved? Yes. We talk about that often. But you know what happens when somebody comes to the Lord and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? There is now another worshiper worshiping God. And that brings glory to the Father. That is why we share the good news of Jesus Christ. So God will get all the glory in the end. So from Hannah we learn God helps the weak. I mean, He had pity on Hannah. So did Elkanah. And because of what Panina was doing, God looks after the weak. He hears us in our real prayers. God puts longing and desires in our heart. God put that desire to have a son in her heart. God will use us to accomplish His will. If He had willed for Samuel to be born, He did that through Hannah and her longing, her prayer, her faithfulness. But we learn to be real with God because there is always hope with Him. There is always hope. And let's end with this before we um, sing our last song and then pray. This is Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel chapter 2. Then Hannah prayed and she said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows. This is Hannah praising God. And by Him deeds are weighed. See, the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry, they hunger no more. She who is barren has borne seven, and she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and He makes alive. He brings down to the grave and He raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and exalts. He raises the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. 
For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of His saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. See, it is not by strength that one prevails, Hannah says. She ends with this, Those who oppose the Lord, they will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, but He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed one. Perhaps looking forward to that anointed one, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him we have the Gospel. It is the good news about salvation in Jesus Christ that there is hope. This world is hopeless without the Lord Jesus Christ. you believe that? So we are to live out the Gospel but then share it in all that we do. And no matter what God allows into our life, we recognize we have real problems so we should pray real prayers. And God makes real promises. and We do that the same to Him. He gives real provision. But through it all, we are to praise God with real praise. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your living Word. God, we thank You for stories like Hannah that remind us of how good You are about how we can have so much hope even in a time of despair. Thank You for her example of faithfulness. Of how as a mother, she committed her child to the Lord. God, we thank You that we see that picture of her keeping that promise. Such a sacrifice. But she brought her child, her son, before God. All of us that are parents, God, would You help us to do that? To surrender our children to the Lord, recognizing that You're lending them to us for a time to raise them to enjoy that, but ultimately giving them back to You and knowing that You are to be the God of their life as well. We thank You for all that we can learn from a wonderful mother and woman of God like Hannah coming before You in prayer letting others and letting you know about her real troubles, weeping bitterly before you. Thank you for her example, God, of the power of prayer and of a promise kept. And God, through it all, perhaps most importantly, let us remember through the life and faith of Hannah that we are to praise you, to praise you each and every day through it all, even even when things are not going our way, in the midst of trouble, we still we count our blessings and we thank You for who You are and what You are doing in our life. God, that we would be changed and transformed through it, and in the end, You get all the glory. We thank You and we praise You in that name of Jesus, that great and wonderful name. Amen.